0: Welcome to the Theatre Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I am your host, Alan Seals, and you are listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is with Samuel H. Levine, who is currently starring in The Inheritance. This is a young guy thrust into a play about a serious topic from another generation. He's only 24, and we talk about this in the episode it's amazing how he adapted so quickly and and we get in the conversation it forced him to grow up a lot actually and being in his early 20s you know and dealing with with the topic of the show which is gay culture and gay history and being a straight man himself it's opened him up to to a whole bunch of of emotions and connections and things with with the same-sex individuals in his show that he was saying he might not otherwise have. And it was a great chat, an amazing interview. He's a very deep guy, and this show is just, it's it's made for him. So before we get into this, as always, please visit me online at thetheaterpodcast.com. Support the podcast via thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N connect with me on instagram and twitter theater underscore podcast leave a rating leave a review i love to read those and now everybody please enjoy this episode with samuel h levine whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Here you go. One, two, three... My guest today is making his Broadway debut currently starring in the production of The Inheritance. He was last seen performing in the same production of The Inheritance, only on the West End out in London, which won the Olivier Award for Best New Play. He just rapped, shooting a feature film alongside Jennifer Lawrence that currently has no name. We'll just call it the untitled Lila Neugebauer movie. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. For those listening, I've redone this like four times because that's a hard name. It can even be seen on TV in the CBS production of Instinct Bull and Elementary Samuel H Levine. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. What's
1: up? <laughs> Good to be here.
0: Otherwise known as Sam.
1: Sam, yes, yeah. Sam I am.
0: Yeah, yes. I guess Sam Levine, Sam Sam Levine's probably a
1: more common Okay, so there's name. there's a legendary stage actor called Sam Levine who I believe was in Guys and Dolls like the original I production. And then there's also, then there's also Sam Levine, Sam with two Ms. Sam, Sam, who is on Freaks and Geeks. Oh, right. Yes. So when it came, when it came time for me to find a name, I could not have my own name. (laughs) But so I, so I went with Samuel
0: H. Levine. Is, Is H real? H is super real. It's for Henry. Henry? Yeah. Yeah. I I one day was playing around with like what should my stage name if I was going to be like <laughs> Alan Seals and I was like that's my a good name m- my middle name is Delos okay. which is it's Greek and it's like the island that Apollo was born on that's pretty you ape. know it's pretty cool yeah but I was like some people say in, in Greek mythology actually in the Iliad it's pronounced Delos Delos but I didn't want to I wanted something easier so I was like oh Alan Scott Smith Alan something but then my initials would be ass <laughs> So some people, yeah, they just like put initials in just because. I think anyway. you should
1: just be Delos. Just one word. You know, you can be like oh, seal or yeah. Just,
0: that's why my career went nowhere because I had yeah. two, uh, Alan's too common of a name, Delos. I'll just just be Delos. Delos. Yeah. Oh man, there you go. Right, um, yeah, so that's me, Sam, Sam. I'm going to have Google's, my Google Home start just referring to me as Delos. Delos. There we go. That's right. All right, so let's start with your early stuff. Uh, your early life. Um, where did you? Where were you born? Where'd you grow My up? Early life. Your yes, early life. As
1: I'm now the old age of 24. <laughs> um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I was born here. I like how you quantify, like Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. I guess
0: there are other Brooklyn's, but
1: yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but Brooklyn, New York, which maybe I can see from this window, or no, that's no, that's somewhere home. else. That's, that's Jersey. That's Jersey. Sorry, yeah. Jersey. Um, I was born there. Uh, moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for which prompts that look of what <laughs> eyebrow uh, rings? yeah, <laughs> uh, and lived there for around eight years, and then moved back to New York, and then was here from like the age of nine on. Oh, okay, so it was a young a young move. That's right. In- That's right. Like when I was two years old. And my mom was super smart and didn't sell the brownstone that she got in the 70s in Park Slope. Yes. And so we moved back in there. Yeah. So like
0: that 20 grand she spent in the 70s (laughs) is like millions now. Good for (laughs) her. Uh, Yeah. So you moved back in there. That's um, amazingly smart. Yes. And um, were were you performing at all like while you were in Wisconsin? Because there's... I ask this because I don't find it uncommon that there's a lot of good arts and culture in that area. Mm. I don't. I don't really know. I,
1: I. don't think I was. I was playing little league a lot, and um, it was always something that was like in the back of my head. But I didn't. I wouldn't say like things didn't really kick into gear when I came back to New York and went to middle school, and the public middle school that I was at, MS Fifty One, in Brooklyn, had a drama department. And so I became a part of that, and that's when it became more of a thing.
0: What attracted you to to want to join the drama? Because usually, like you see in movies in small town, I came from small town North Carolina, where being mm. in drama was what the not cool kids did. Mm, mm, mm. I think I'm. Mean,
1: I think here it was kind of the opposite. It seemed like the cool kids were doing it. Or uh, I, I still to this day I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what what drew me to it, but something did, and I. <laughs> Went with it. It's like a calling, like a a, a fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt right. Yeah. yeah. It just felt like the right thing to do.
0: Well, was, was, I guess, your parent, were your parents at this time, were they more like, we want you to stick down this track of being, you know, the traditional lawyer, doctor, Hmm. whatever it was? Or they're Uh, like, oh, it's a phase. Yeah. I I don't think, I mean, at that age, especially
1: to what's middle school is like 12 or something. I don't think. They were putting any pressures on me to be anything, just trying to make it through braces and stuff. Um, so, no, there was, there was no pressure there
0: well, at, a, at the time. At the time. Yeah. That's relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was just drama class. And then, you, and then at what point, I mean, you went to LaGuardia High School, which is that's right. something you have to audition for. That's right. So, at some point in middle school, you still had to decide to be serious about it. That's right. That's right. Eighth grade. Eighth grade, we you have to audition for LaGuardia. You have to prepare two monologues.
1: Um, and I did that, and it went okay. And again, it was just this kind of thing of that's, it just felt right. It just felt right. And so I just kept on following it.
0: Well, was there, do you remember a point when, like I said, you had to, you had to say, all right, now I want to try to do this seriously, mm. because in eighth grade, you have to audition. Otherwise, you could just go keep playing Little League or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Um, I can't, I don't have, no, (laughs) I don't have an aha moment.
1: I think I'm still trying to do it seriously, to be honest, and still trying to
0: just, yeah, figure out what it is. Yeah. All right. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) Some people get there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'll let you know. Some people, yeah. Next time I'm on the show, I'll let you know. Okay. So then you went to LaGuardia. That's right. And then um, you went to college, yeah?
1: That's right. I went to I went to a school called California Institute of the Arts or CalArts mm-hmm. Um, which is in outside of LA in Valencia, California. And I went there for two years. Um, and then dropped out because I got a job in the city. And I had I had been working with an agent out of high school. In this city, not LA. In this city. Okay. In New York. Yes. I had been working with an agent out of high school. And so I would, when I would come back for breaks and whatnot, I would audition and see what was happening. And and eventually after, yeah, I think the summer before junior year of college, I got a job here and then didn't go back to college.
0: What was the job? What'd you get?
1: It was a play called Kill Floor at LCT3. Yes. Yes, Directed by the wonderful Lila Neugebauer with uh, Marin Ireland and Danny McCarthy and Nick Ash and Natalie Gold and all these incredible, incredible actors. And I was like, I can't turn, I, again, that thing of just, I got to do this, don't I? You know, Mm because I feel like I'd regret it if I didn't, if I just went back to school. Do you think you ever will? Go back to school? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm about to be out of a job, so (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Um, Maybe I'll go back to school. But I've been so fortunate to kind of learn, to be able to learn on the job and learn from incredible actors and directors and writers
0: yeah so we'll see i've heard that from from a lot of people who who have either just not gone at all or or have dropped out for whatever reasons It, it it's that school gives you certain opportunities that you may not have otherwise but if you're lucky enough you're one of the lucky few that has those opportunities given to you ahead of a graduation date that sometimes you have more of the opportunity of, you know, the on the job training. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The training definitely. And I've, I've taken classes in the city and it's, it's always important to me to stay yeah in training and in practice and stuff. But I think the thing that, or I missed most or mourned most about not finishing school was just having the, the community that school gives you. Mm-hmm. And that I find that people, I mean, these lifelong friendships and
0: these Absolutely,
1: these strong bonds that you need to make it through this business and through life in general, and that's what I mourn most. And it's something that this play has actually given me, and the inheritance has given me. I've been working with these people for almost three years, and it's in in a way, like a college, a, you know, a mm-hmm. lifetime of a of a of a schooling process. So, I'm, I, yeah,
0: I've been able to develop my own community. Uh, yeah, that that was. I mean, my my past foray into theater. Part of what attracted me so much to it is is a lot of what you just mentioned is, it's instant family. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whether or not you you enjoy your family at home <laughs> or not, like there are a lot of people that you know, go into theater. And aside from like the accolades, that you know, like getting applause on stage and and commanding people's emotions, you know, all that aside, which is its own reward being able to bond like you you're you're going through a form of trauma i've said this before on this podcast it's the rehearsal process Mm -hmm. and the learning lines Mm -hmm. and the stress of of all this and i mean we'll get into the inheritance it's a (laughs) two-part heavy heavy show yeah so i'm sure like lots of trauma lots of (laughs) drama the the length in general i just i just imagine length is traumatic everything else now you're Someone else is gonna be complaining like, Oh, I have so many lines, you're like, dude, I didn't inherit you, have, inheritance. No you, you yeah. have no idea.
1: <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, but, exactly what you're saying. That mm-hmm. that family. I I totally I feel you on that. That that's it's one of the most powerful and beautiful things about what we do. And everyone involved in whether it's a podcast or just like these types of connections mm-hmm. that you get are are unique and really special.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah everybody everybody is attracted to theater because like they're looking for that connection they're mm-hmm. looking for that emotion and mm-hmm. I, I again I've said this before on the podcast too but Tanya, P- Tanya Pinkins told me that and I am every time I re- I recall the story I butcher it even more but she said that theater allows you to empathize with other people and get practice get practice developing that center of your brain Mm -hmm. because uh, that's not something you can read about it. You can, you can, but you can't train to do it unless you're actually in the moment. Mm -hmm. You've got these stories, you know, the stories of love and loss and happiness and everything. And then your brain just is experiencing it without having to actually go through it, which I think, and I'm no expert. I actually should talk to an expert about this is that because you're, you're tricking your body into feeling, this way that you know your character if you're if you're acting properly right like you're giving the same kind of physical response you were if you were actually in love or if you're actually scared if you're actually right whatever and so you're you're forming these real deep connections with your castmates, yeah (laughs) because and and as an audience we're able to watch this and it's you know we're a voyeuristic society anyway but oh god i'm i'm Oh, I'm going so far off the rails here. No, but. no, no. I,
1: I love it. And it's something I think about often, especially with this play, that I've been working with some of these these people for, for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So when you say, when I say I love you on stage, it's no longer, I mean, it's, I'm saying I love you, you know, it's no longer... Um, words from a page. It's, yeah, it's wow. becoming very, very real and saying goodbye to the, and as we get ready to say goodbye to these people, it's going to be insane. And I think the funny thing is the one thing that's preparing us to say goodbye is the play itself. And, and, and that same way it's, it's allowing us to go through these emotions mm-hmm. together.
0: Yeah. Well, the the show, well, for those who haven't seen it, What's, what's the best like elevator pitch you can give? Oh man, it's, you need a long
1: elevator (laughs) ride, but I like to describe it as a, it's a group of young men, um, on stage. And basically our, our writer, Matthew Lopez was inspired by, uh, E.M. Forster's novel, Howard's End. And Matthew has kind of reappropriated the story of Howard's End, um, and he's told it in his own way through the lens of 21st century uh, young gay men in New York City, and so you you experience the play as a group of young men telling this story that Matthew wrote over seven hours.
0: Right, right. So <laughs> you're you're experiencing yeah, you're experiencing the whole thing in real time as that's if right. it were being told to you. Yes, that's right. Um. And that's how I like to pitch it. Other people pitch it differently. It does. It
1: centers around Eric and Toby, this young couple who have just been recently engaged and kind of the, the spiral that their relationship takes and the way they are affecting uh, a younger generation that they come into contact with and also how they've been affected by an older generation that they've also come into contact
0: with. Well, this is set in the 80s. Yeah? Or no. is it
1: set present day? It's set present day. But it does have it kind of one of the main characters uh who's called Walter, who's played by Paul Hilton uh was living in New York during the eighties during the AIDS epidemic, mm-hmm. and so that time, although we're never really in it, is very much present within uh when it's taking place, which is like twenty fifteen to two thousand
0: seventeen, right, yeah, there was a lot of throwbacks to the eighties, and that's I guess, right, and that's where. I I I walked out, taking it more to be a story. Uh, well, there was one line in there that I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's like people don't tell gay history in schools. Mm, right. Right. American students are still taught nothing about queer history. Yes. Yes. I think I know almost every line, <laughs> time, by the way. <laughs> and and there's but there's so much importance behind people learning that and and because it's going to progress our society and and the the show the show to me what i took out of it as someone who identifies as as heterosexual
1: mm-hmm.
0: i took out of that, that there's a whole world of history that i have been shielded from yeah. yeah and it made me want to go learn more about it yes
1: yes absolutely queer history is american history yeah and it should be taught as such um and I, I felt the same way as a young, I mean, I started working on this when I was 22 and like just grasping what, what happened during the epidemic mm-hmm. and to have a cast member like John Benjamin Hickey, who was living through that and to have him there and telling stories and, and then Matthew, our writer, the next generation after John's and just like the play playing out in real time uh, in the rehearsal room of. And then me, the younger generation of learning about what happened, because it has been shielded from so many Mm -hmm. and people haven't been given the space to talk about the history and to feel the emotions
0: that come with it. Right. Well, how do you identify sexually? Um, I identify as heterosexual. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was going to say like uh, a few minutes ago, you said you're looking at your cast members, which are men, and you're telling them you love them. And that's for, for a straight guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very, sometimes very hard to say. Mm. Yeah.
1: I mean, unfortunately, I think, yeah, straight men have, or men in general, have, are, yeah, uh, not the best at feeling emotions, if you will, or have been guided right. against feeling emotions. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, fuck it's- Fuck
0: that. It's, <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, oh, this is all kind of coming back to to Love is Blind on Netflix, which is one of mm. the best trashiest shows I'm watching at the moment. Um, Someone is, was just telling me about that show. Oh, it's a train wreck I you haven't can't seen look it away from. It. But <laughs> it's these these straight guys that for the first time you take away their, stim, their outside stimulus, their phones, everything. And they're making these instant connections with these people, with these women, because, partially in my opinion, because they're just forced to talk and there's no mm. one there, no one, you know, there's not their guy friends there edging them on being like, Oh, that's just being a sissy or that's, you know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you know, and, um, it, it's this, this whole new world, like this generational flip we have to make. And I think yeah. it's like, it kind of starts with me. I'm 39. I think it's starting with me and it's like, you're smack in the middle of it at 24. Mm-hmm. Like to you telling a straight guy, oh, I love you. Like that doesn't seem weird. I don't feel like that seems weird to you no, now. No, to me at your age, that would be insane. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that's yeah, that's wild to hear. And I hope that I mean everyone should be able to say I love you and <laughs> right. also receive I love you from whoever. Wherever. And I do. Yeah,
0: I do now. Yeah, right. At this age
1: now. Right. Yeah, and I hope that the the work continues on and people can do that. Right. But yeah. No. Not not weird at all.
0: I mean do you do you get that what the feedback for, about the show and and I want to get into like the differences between London and New York because mm-hmm. obviously the the run here is not as long as we would have hoped for Right um but the the feedback the positive feedback that you've gotten like stage door are are there are there anything is there anything that stands out to you as like oh wow I had no idea or you know things that are in your mind as as somebody coming up and and being changed by what they saw, absolutely. I
1: think. I mean, one of the most powerful things is I was sent a letter, or I was given a letter outside the stage door that I I had no idea at the time uh, the story behind what was being given to me. I just because mm-hmm. it was just an envelope, but it was a young woman from Japan who is queer, and she saw the show in London and was inspired to to come out to her family and to love her girlfriend openly. And she had taken a pilgrimage to New York to go to the Stonewall Inn and to also see the show with her girlfriend. Wow. And it was just so, I mean, I remember reading it on the taxi ride home after a show. Just, uh, just a yeah, deep reminder of that the show is inspiring people, it's changing people, and people feel the love, they pe- they feel the the need to be to be truthful to to feel their emotions truthfully which hmm. is incredible.
0: Yeah, I I love all all of the shows. I mean, there's a place there's a place for your Mean Girls and Shrek the musical Absolutely. and there's a place Absolutely. for all that. But there there's like The Prom holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, because it's the story of being truthful yeah. and like the inheritance again, it's it's like exposing Culture outside of the norm, uh, and, uh, and unfortunately, gay culture is not the norm right. yet on a, right. on a mainstream scale. It's, it's you know New York City a little bit more so than other right. cities, but um, right. there's still work to be done. Right, right. I I absolutely love the thing, but going back to again the the difference between London, it, like this, just award mm. after award and and positive positivity in London, mm-hmm. and then what. So the difference between London and New York audiences, what do you think happened? Because uh, I guess to preface this, the show is closing on March 15th. That's right. So come. So yeah, there's only a, few, only a few weeks left at the time this episode drops, um, which is an early closing, lo- uh, shorter than we would have hoped for. So That's right. in London, it was great. When on on Olivier, same story here, what happened? What do you think? Uh I don't know. I mean, fortunately that's not my job.
1: <laughs> I don't
0: think. Um,
1: so, I don't know. The world will never know or um I I don't know. I think New York and America in general is just, you know, like the go big or go home or people I think love things even more intensely in New York and they also hate things even more intensely. So I think the <laughs> yes. people that really, really loved it, really loved it with a a passion and, and a vigor that wasn't felt mm-hmm. in London. And the people that maybe didn't like it also on that same note really didn't like it. But uh, who knows? I like to think that the people who needed to see
0: it saw it and the play will live on forever within those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I think someone told me their theory was that because so much of the people with the disposable income now to see Broadway shows lived through the AIDS epidemic themselves, Hmm. that they don't want to go see a show about it. It's true. Yeah. Because it was was hard. Yeah, that's very possible. Lost lots and lots of friends. Yeah.
1: It's also, I mean, on that same note, or a more financial note, it's just that I think London theater is just a different, it's more ingrained in the culture there. And Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's slowly starting to happen here. But, you know, they got that guy called Shakespeare and stuff. And like, it's just like a part of who they are for since the beginning. And I think it's becoming more interwoven here, but there's still work to be done to make it more,
0: more accessible, more attainable and more interwoven. Yeah. I mean, musicals have commercial success in the soundtrack that you can do and there's more marketing right. and there's just more budget, but yet yeah, plays plays not saying that musicals can't go deep and be great mm. acting. Mm. Like you have to be a good actor to be good at a musical. That's right. That's right. Um, but I've seen, I've seen more boundaries pushed in straight plays. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that continues to happen. Oh, I hope so. I mean, I, of course it will.
1: Absolutely. Our, our writer often talks about how he hopes this play uh, opens the door to many other seven-hour epics about other experiences.
0: Right. And, yeah. Um, the character, like this is a uh, it's a two-show, what's what, four acts, right? Or six acts. Six acts, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, six acts, two different shows. That's that, right. That all make the whole story. That's right. So it's a two-part show, sorry. And you play two different characters so in this right. first part. You're Adam, a rich actor on the rise of New York City, and then in the second part you're Leo, a young and desperate sex worker, so it's kind of like right. opposite sides of the same coin that's right right so did did are are you i guess talk to me about the two characters, and are in your mind is it completely two separate characters in the same story, or is it the same character one one's positive and then one's down on our luck right
1: mm mm. mm.
0: Uh, that's a good question uh yes so i play adam
1: and leo um and i love both of them very much and i think they're two they're definitely two different people but it's the thing that the challenge of i'm not two different people i'm just one person so ultimately they will share certain things Mm -hmm. um but it's been the i mean a challenge so challenging but also so rewarding to get to Kind of figure out how to yeah be two different people, and it's it it gives you a lot because I think everyone has multiple sides to them, um, and it's kind of given me permission to be okay with the 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 duality of of being alive and ev- everything's not just one way or you can't you you can be multiple things,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean. It, Everybody, uh, someone asked me the other day, they said, how many, how many sides do you have? Mm. Or infinite. It wasn't, no, it wasn't sides. It was, it was like modes of personality or something. Yeah, infinite. I mean, right? What'd you you say? uh, I think, well, they brought it up because they were like, somebody I was talking to said that you have five. And I said, oh, there's way more than five. Because there's like... There's podcast Alan. There's right. business Alan. Right. There's party Alan, which doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's different facets of who you, of who makes up your your personality. So to be able to tap into each one of those and kind of make them caric- caricatures on on stage. So you've got yeah rich actor affluent guy, and then. Young, desperate, do anything because you have to survive, guy. Right. But you're still like, I guess internally you're still you're still Sam, right? Presenting, yeah. I don't know what I'm getting at here, but you see what I'm it's saying. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a it's
1: a head trip. It's a total head trip. Um, it's a total head trip to have two people kind of like living within you. Yeah. At the same time, um, but I love it. And I love both of them so much, uh yeah, I love Adam's confidence and his his kind of uh his manipulative attitude sometimes and his 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 yeah his charm and I love
0: Leo's heart and his kindness, yeah, like Adam just does whatever he wants, that's right, including well he just drop drops towel that's right drops towel towel yeah. towel yeah, yeah drops towel that's right, and he's like
1: what was that, was yeah.
0: that Was that weird for you? Like, that was super weird. Total nude on stage.
1: Super, super weird. I remember, yeah. Oh, yeah. The first time. I mean, it it was insane. I went through, I think, the entire rehearsal process, not, you know, not doing it. We get to that scene. I do it in my underwear or something. And then, I mean, but then I think the final dress, I went for it. Very weird. Very, very weird. But ultimately, liberating. And,. Yeah, you know it's the character, right? You know, so I, I
0: I feel some protection in that. Yeah, I I have never had the fortune, we'll call it, of an uh, opportunity of being totally new. like. For me, I remember the first time. First time I had to kiss somebody else on stage, and I, I was young, and my parents came, uh-huh. and that was weird. Yeah, so you can only imagine. <laughs>
1: I, right. um yeah yeah
0: yeah so i yeah i guess if it's 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 weird i get uh, yeah it's weird <laughs> when you don't know the people i think it's easier definitely right definitely and
1: there is that space of you know my app, when the lights go down it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: it doesn't it's a sea of strangers it's just right yeah blank and faces
0: i i i is there any sort of uh uh empowerment you get from being like I have the confidence to do this and most of these people would never do this
1: um again I feel like it's it's the character that has the confidence so I I don't know maybe uh, ask me again you know (laughs) when this all ends (laughs) I don't know there's gonna be a lot of unpacking of what this show yeah has given me if you will um after we finish over the next yeah i mean forever there's there's so much to unpack
0: well how's how's it grown how, how have you grown from it because 21 to 24 those are very impressionable years absolutely and so it's insane to get to kind of grow up with these characters
1: and with these people and with this play with this story i i mean i, I yeah i'm at a loss for words and i think it's something that i really do Need to. We've talked about Andrew, Andrew Burnap, and Kyle Soler who play Toby and uh, Eric, and we share a dressing room. And we've shared a dressing room since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we were offered many times when we transferred to the West End and to Broadway to have our own dressing rooms, but we all got on the phone and we're like, You're, "We're not doing that, right?" Yeah, and everyone <laughs> unanimously. Is that the word? Yeah. Yes. We've all stuck in the same room. Uh, we were saying how we kind of like need to after the show closes, like, should we go to a group therapy session and kind of like debrief about what this thing is? It's going to be insane. Wow. Um, But I've grown. Yeah. I'll, I'll, again, I'll let you know. I feel like it's something I won't really realize
0: until later down the line. Yeah. I think when you're old, yeah. When you, when you get past it, move into your next when I'm old and twenty seven. Yeah, when you can yeah. finally <laughs> rent a car on your own and hit twenty-five. Yeah.
1: First uh, I have to get a driver's <laughs> license, but oh. so yeah, I'm a New York baby. Oh
0: gosh, and it worries me about my kids. Right, <laughs> swimming, riding a bike, and driving a car. Yeah. Gotta like, know. It's hard. Hard to do in the city. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's interesting that you guys talked about like group therapy because it seems to me that the show itself is a form of therapy. Yes, very much so. Um
1: yeah, there's a lot of catharsis, a lot of um exploring of emotions, a lot of letting go which feels really good. But even even but in and of itself the show has caused so many other things and emotions and, and letting go of it will be extremely intense. So we, we talked about, yeah, maybe doing that. I think it's a good idea. I think so too. I think ending any show is traumatic. Ending anything, any letting something die, letting something go is very hard and, and something that every human deals with. Um, but especially this one because we've worked on it for so long because The emotions are so intertwined with who we are as people because we've spent more time over the past two and a half years as those characters Mm -hmm. than we have as
0: ourselves it's going to be extremely intense wow yeah yeah do do therapy i recommend therapy just in general yes so onto a lighter note you're in uh, what we are calling the Untitled Lila Neugabauer movie, <laughs> opposite Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, that's right. Uh, some incredible,
1: Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Brian Terry Henry, Samira Wiley, Jane Shell, who's another great theater actor, Linda Eamond, um, some incredible, incredible
0: actors. It, and. Are you, are you looking to see yourself, are you, do you see yourself more in like the TV film thing later on down the line or, or cause everyone's like you do theater because you love it. You do TV because you got bills to pay. <laughs> right. right. Right.
1: Um, yeah, there is, uh, people say that for a reason for sure. Um, I definitely want to make movies, uh, movies have like theater have impacted my life deeply, deeply, deeply. Um, and I want a chance to do that for other people. Um, but I also just want to follow the, you know, after working on The Inheritance in and a play like this, with, mm-hmm. directed by Stephen Daldry and written by this amazing man, Matthew Lopez. You like, it's going to be hard to, to work on things that I don't feel uh, deeply connected to. So that's, <laughs> that's really what I want to do, no matter what the medium. Just find things that I connect to. And hopefully I have the opportunity to do that.
0: It is. Um I guess Lila Ninga you worked with her previously. So that's, that's right. Yeah, you got connected with. Let's say get connected with this one. But that's right. Working. or When's the movie supposed to come out? Do you
1: know yet? I have no idea. But it was crazy, man. I mean, I I'm I'm down there as we shot in New Orleans, and yeah, all of a sudden I'm at dinner with Jennifer Lawrence and and these incredible actors. And I'm like, oh, oh. Okay okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I definitely want more opportunities to do that because it was also while, yes, there was that kind of like starstruck feeling. There was also the feeling of, oh, I, yeah, I can do this. Any, mm-hmm. Anyone can do this. There's, there's, you know, there's not some like secret passageway that you have to go into to, to do it, it's just, you, you just do it. And it's again, like, yeah, working with Lila, I worked with her five years ago. She gave me my first job. So then it's the same thing. It's still just doing the work.
0: And it was like, Oh yeah, I can do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds like, it sounds like a lot of fun. W- yeah. Were you, were you filming? So filming's wrapped already. That's right. So were you filming while you were doing the inheritance? Um, there was like one week of overlap with rehearsal. Also, oh, it was before Inheritance Open then. That's right. So I was like, like in the summer. I don't know how you could oh do my gosh, a no. two-part play, <laughs> a two-part six-act play. Not, I'm not
1: a real person. I mean, <laughs> even just, yeah, the days off. We have two days off, which is unheard of in the theater community. But
0: even, I mean, I'm just dead dead to the world. Right. Really? You yeah. can just go home and crawl into a shell and sleep. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, we'll wrap this up with the okay. three standard closing questions that okay. I ask everybody on the podcast. The first one, what motivates you? Mm. Um, people. People motivate me. To impress them or inspired by them? Uh, I think
1: in in regards to this play, it's just when when I'm not feeling it that day or if I'm feeling tired, I look to my fellow castmates and I see that they've showed up so I can show up too. And in that same regard, when they're not feeling good, then it's on me to kind of like raise the bar and we kind
0: of lean on each other that way. Oh, nice. Okay. So the second question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Hmm. I would say to my younger self, I love you. And keep on going. I love you. Mm -hmm. That is nice. Very simple, but speaks volumes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Last question. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh man. Um, this is a play. Anything. Anything.
1: Anything. I would see the Batsheva Dance Company dance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, theater goers.
0: I would right. go with the dance <laughs> <laughs> alright and we can find you on Instagram at right. Sam H Levine you're not on Twitter no not yeah. yet yeah. should I
1: I, sh- I gotta do uh, the TikTok and the Twitter and the I'll do it I'll do it one
0: day alright And you, yeah. can, you can find more of me and other past episodes online at thetheaterpodcast.com support help me continue the transcriptions for all of those who need it at thetheaterpodcast.com slash patreon I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast on Facebook on facebook.com slash official theater podcast. So many socials, Please leave a rating, leave a review. I love to read those and then thank you to jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music and Samuel H. Levine. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being thank here. You. This really? has been fun. Thank you. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful.